15 minutes after 5 year on the holiday shift on the voice of the Cape 91.3 FM with myself Ashraf Kini this afternoon and uh, as mentioned at the top of the show um an interesting uh for those of you that have uh, heard the 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 khutbah that was going around or portions of the khutbah that was circulating on social media over the last few days um a khutbah by Maulana Suleiman Rawat uh, no stranger of course to the airwaves of the voice of the Cape he is of course the program manager and presenter at Radio Islam uh, based in Johannesburg and uh, Malina basically shared with us um, eight lessons that we can all learn from this year. And I think uh, for those of you that would have heard who have had the benefit of hearing that particular khutbah, um, found great inspiration and, 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 and I think a great perspective with regards to uh, where we are at as a Muslim community. And uh, joining me this afternoon to discuss is Malina Suleiman Ravid himself. Malina, assalamu alaikum and uh, welcome to Voice of the Cape. Walaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you, Ashraf, and to the listeners of Voice of the Cape. Glad to be on your program. Likewise, it's an absolute pleasure having you with us this afternoon, Molina. Now, you focused on eight lessons that we can learn from this year. And uh, for those of the listeners that were unable to hear uh, this, the, the particular khutbah that we are going to be discussing now, they can go on to the Radio Islam website and read uh, some transcripts of that particular khutbah just to get uh, further perspective. Um, I'd like for you to just very quickly, Malana, just summarize uh, lesson one to six. And... Uh, from there, I'd like to unpack lesson seven and eight a bit further this afternoon. So uh, go ahead and just uh, give us some uh, a, a brief summary, inshallah, of lessons one to six. Yeah, you know, just to give you the background, I wasn't actually supposed to speak last week Friday at uh, our local masjid here, Nurul Islam Masjid in Indonesia. I had spoken the week before, and then there was a cancellation, and the imam was insisting. And I thought to myself that, you know, what do I speak about? There's a number of things that you can speak about on the last Friday of the year. And the thought came to mind that there's so much that we can learn, not that we can, we actually should learn from this year. Uh, and, I, and I started off my talk uh, with that very point, that 20 years from now, perhaps 200 years from now, people will still be talking and perhaps even debating about the year 2020. Uh, and we've lived this year now, but what lessons are we taking? Because in the end, all narratives, all stories, all tales, there's a lesson behind it. And Allah tells us this in the Quran, that the people of intelligence, they don't obsess over the, the finer details of what transpired uh, or the more uh, uh, juicy details. They try and say, okay, what were the lessons that we can learn? The first lesson that I spoke about was the, the power of Allah, that in this era where science and technology and medicine is at its peak, one microscopic uh, virus uh, brought us to, uh, to our knees. Allah's army can take any form or any shape. The second lesson was about the limited knowledge of man versus the unlimited knowledge of Allah, where the world's, um, you know, and all the doctors and scientists of the world uh, were honest enough to say that it's a novel virus. We don't know too much about it. We're grappling with it. Uh, the third was about how we plan and Allah plans. We had so many plans for the year. People wanted to go for Umrah. They wanted to go for Hajj. They wanted to expand businesses. And all those plans um, had to change. It's only Allah's plan that ultimately prevails. And the lesson we learned from there is that you need to be flexible in your planning, but you obviously remain constant in the pursuit of, of noble goals. Um, the fourth was about how life can change so suddenly. I mean, airports, for example, which, were hu- which are hubs of activity, became like uh, deserted graveyards. Major industries that don't cease to operate, they're grounded to a halt. Uh, streets were deserted during the hard lockdown. Businesses, uh, 
uh, you know, were shut. Uh, big enterprises collapsed, some of them not to start again. Uh, and, that the, and on the other hand, you had people who were struggling, who saw an opportunity in the market. Uh, and they seized that opportunity as a result of the changing dynamics due to the, the pandemic. And they were able to, to make a lot of money. And the life, we le- the lesson rather we learn from all of that is that you've got to value every day. Mm-hmm. You can't fret too much over the past. You can't obsess too much about the future. Life is fragile. Develop a sense of urgency when it comes to important matters and then value every day. The first lesson I spoke about was, you know, needs versus wants. This year taught us or ought to have taught us how little we really need to live a comfortable life. Not just a basic life, a comfortable life. I gave one example of weddings, you know, people who got married during the, the restriction period. They had to do, get married with very small functions, the sector, but they still got married and life went on. And that teaches us that we unnecessarily complicate our lives. There's a bit too much of, of clutter. Uh, and there's too much of baggage that uh, that we carry in, in the way that we live. Mm-hmm. The sixth lesson was about uh, realizing that we are more resilient that, uh, than, than we, we um, uh, estimated ourselves to be. Uh, we, there were so many adaptions from the way children were now getting schooled, from the way we worked, people had to start working from home, our social interaction had to change. Uh, you know, so much of, of our normal basic routine had to change, but we survived. And it shows us that human beings have this amazing ability to adapt. And it also reminds us of what Allah says in the Quran, that لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها, that no matter what test Allah gives you, you have the capacity to be able to deal with the test. So we have the capacity uh, to be able to deal with the pandemic as, as difficult as it was. So those were, um, in brief, you know, the first six out of the eight lessons that I touched on in that uh, lecture uh, last week Friday. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the lesson seven, uh, Molana, was, was quite an interesting one, uh, and I think uh, an important and interesting perspective um, uh, from 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 where we sit currently as a Muslim community in South Africa. And, and, and one of the points that you made is to say, when there are underlying weaknesses in a community that are left untreated, then in a moment of crisis, it, become more, it becomes more pronounced, problematic, and they surface. Tell us more. Absolutely, because, you know, the problem that we saw where, where people, ordinary people, lay people who didn't have qualifications in certain fields, and then they became doctors overnight, WhatsApp doctors, as I term it in lecture, they became WhatsApp muftis overnight. They, they had no theological grounding. They were not schooled in that regard, no medical grounding. Now, one is to just have an opinion based on what you see on WhatsApp or social media. But in this instance, that the previous weakness, which we did not deal with, where people started to believe whatever they see on WhatsApp, they don't know the source of the content, they don't know the author of the content, they don't know the credibility, the qualifications, but they saw something on, 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 on social media and especially WhatsApp and you just start forwarding it. it, it pre-existed, but it became more pronounced during the lockdown, perhaps because people had more time on hands, but it, it complicated things uh, to such an extent that um, especially in Masajid, uh, in certain parts of the country, more the former Transvaal, Natal region, I don't know uh, whether it was that much of a problem in the Western Cape, but you know, you had people coming to the forward, all sorts of arguments and challenging established leadership. So whether it was the imam behind whom you were performing salah for the last 30 years or your local doctors that, you know, you, 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 you entrusted with much more complicated medical issues uh, and much more urgent medical issues all your life, uh, your, your local scholars, etc. All of a sudden now, uh, there was this suspicion, this skepticism 
racism uh, that just developed in the community because of what ordinary people were picking up on, on, on social media and starting to forward as if that was now the new truth and as if uh, the established leadership had uh, become ignorant overnight uh, or become corrupt overnight and they were, uh, they were now doing a disservice to the community. And a long story cut short, uh, what happened thereafter is that in many masajid, for example, uh, arguments broke out which led to, um, to, to, to friction, which led to division, which led to fragmentation within the masjid, which is a place that is supposed to be uh, a, a venue where people become un- unified, where people, uh, you know, and, and gender and, and foster unity amongst themselves. Uh, so um, that is, you know, it, it was a pain because it, it was so unfortunate. And to my knowledge, it was something that, that was unique to South Africa. In other parts of the, of the world, uh, people overcame their differences and they united to fight the pandemic. And here, you know, in, in many, many masajid and in many communities and localities, even in families, people just split because of differing views uh, around the issues pertaining to the pandemic, which was, uh, which was really sad. And we, as I mentioned there, we, we, we oversimplified issues that were nuanced and we overcomplicated issues that were, that were simple. Everybody just wanted to become his own doctor, his own mufti, his own scientist, his own statistician overnight uh, based on what was just floating around uh, with very little substance, with very little uh, um, you know, background in terms of where it came, came from and how authentic it is. And uh, every, every person now not, not only had an opinion, but wanted things to, to run according to that particular opinion, creating a lot of tension and stress uh, within the Muslim community uh, in our country. Malina, you also you also spoke about particularly under lesson seven. You spoke about uh, the that in South Africa, what we experienced as a South African Muslim community was experienced nowhere else in the world, um, and 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 that that we were to we, that rather that we were inclined towards the sensational, even if it was fake news or uns, uh, unsubstantiated, and that's something I think that 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 precedes the the, the COVID nineteen virus, and I think will unfortunately linger with us long after, uh, inshallah, the virus is removed from us. In terms of the damage that that particular um, sharing of uh, information that has been unverified, fake news, unsubstantiated, what do you think some of the risks of those are to our community in the long term? I said, in my opinion, uh, it, it, it has taken the South African Muslim community to a new low, because it was not just only the sharing of that unsubstantiated, unverified, unchecked content. Uh, I suppose in other parts of the world, people are also circulating that and sharing that. But in South Africa, people took that now, they, they took the cue from that, and that became gospel to them, and it translated into tension, it translated into confrontation, uh, it resulted in friction, it resulted in dissension, it resulted in, uh, in, in fragmentation uh, in the masjid and in, and in other uh, circumstances or contexts as well. And, and that, I think, uh, was a huge setback for the Muslim community in South Africa. It's a slightly different discussion as to why it pre-existed and why it became more acute in South Africa. Maybe in other countries uh, where Muslims exist as minorities, they have more greater national challenges uh, of a political nature, of a social nature that keeps them occupied, perhaps more constructively. And maybe in our country, by the grace of Allah, we don't have those great national, political, social challenges. Uh, as a Muslim community per se, whatever political or social challenges we face is, is the same that uh, every other South African faces. We don't have you know, problems as, as a community politically in, in our country. And as a, as a result, perhaps, we've got too much of time on our hands. We've become too complacent uh, and we've, becoming, we've become too distrusting of, of, of establishing 
established leadership, which obviously is never perfect in any in, in any situation. Uh, but you, it's just not logical that the very imam that you trusted for so long and the very doctor that you trusted for so long, all of a sudden overnight, uh, you don't get to trust them. But I, I feel we should remain optimistic that even if we've reached this new low, it's a lesson we need to learn. And that is what motivated me to give that speech and to give it so passionately, is that now that we've entered the second wave, I said, let's, Allah is giving us a second opportunity that take the lesson and don't repeat the mistakes that you, you repeated during the first wave. And if we can do that, then um, inshallah, from, sometimes you need to reach a new low in order to be able to, to, to propel yourself from there to a new high. So let's learn from the past. Let's, let's not live in the past. Let's not fret too much over it. But we have to be honest and frank about it so we can learn from there and, and take those lessons to grow and move further and move forward stronger, inshallah. Inshallah. Now, Malana, the final lesson, of course, lesson eight, uh, 2020 showed us the best and the worst of our humanity. And of course, we know that we, we don't live uh, uh, isolated uh, as Muslims in South Africa. We are part of this multiracial, multicultural uh, society and country that we call uh, South Africa. And you speak about um, the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic and the year basically showing us the best and worst of our community. Tell us more. The best in, in the sense that, I mean, it was amazing to see the, the spirit of generosity from Muslims in South Africa. Uh, we, we have a reputation uh, globally of being a very generous uh, community, and, and we saw that to, to a great extent, you know, where people uh, open up their hearts, uh, especially during that hard lockdown period, uh, and uh, overnight, you know, community groupings formed uh, to try and assist uh, the, the less privileged uh, during that very difficult period when, when we were in hard lockdown and they couldn't, uh, you know, do the their, their, their basic uh, duties or, or go and earn um, a living. We also saw that that spirit, right, uh, in as far as frontline workers were concerned, uh, doctors, and I, I mentioned, you know, how, how deeply we need to appreciate them. Imagine doctors uh, every day when they go to the surgery, uh, what anxiety they must be having. Every day when they go back from the surgery to their homes, nurses, those brothers uh, who are not part of a profession, who don't earn a living through a profession, but who purely volunteer their services with the janazas, with the Hussels, uh, to do a hustle of, of, of a mayit who was COVID, you know, positive. It, it requires a lot of courage. It requires a lot of uh, spiritual, mental, and emotional strength. So that's where we saw the best in our community. Then we saw we saw the worst. Uh, they, they were Muslims uh, who were involved in corruption with regards to tenders, etc. It may not have made news in the way uh, it makes news when, when political leaders are, are implicated, but we know that it, it's a problem that exists in our, in our communities. And then because we had issues that we never resolved before, you know, predetermined fault lines, as I called it. We turned on each other. Uh, you know, we split like we, we never split before. Uh, all these debates and these labels, uh, judging people's faith and judging people's integrity, unsubstantiated allegations against uh, very respectable people, it was always there, but now it unfortunately, you know, went to, a, it went to another level. Uh, pettiness, you know, I, I heard from some communities about how people who had a different view on sanitizer would, would, would steal the sanitizer from the masjid mm-hmm. and consider it a virtuous act. They would yeah. pull off uh, the, the, the guideline posters on, on, you know, the protocols that needed to be followed. Uh, so we, we, we degenerated to a very low level of pettiness, uh, a 
and uh, we turned on each other in a very savage way. And I think it's not about blaming this one or that one. It's an indictment on all of us because we had these pre-existing issues that for whatever reason we never dealt with. And then during this, this pandemic and especially uh, during those months, April to, to July, you know, the, the peak of the first wave, uh, it, uh, it all came to the fore. But uh, be that as it may, I mean, we, we have to learn these lessons. Uh, subsidiary issues in our, in our religion should not divide us. It should not bring us to the point where we question each other's faith and in each other's integrity. Uh, we need to be tolerant. We need to learn how, how to manage our differences. We need to understand that our dean is, is much more uh, accommodating and flexible, especially in the times of necessity. And we sometimes, uh, without realizing, uh, project it to be very rigid and to be very yeah. uh, inflexible and unaccommodating. And they can, in our lifetime, there can be no greater example of a period of necessity than this particular year that um, uh, that has lapsed. So that's what I spoke about uh, in that eighth point. And I also mentioned that, look, uh, Sahaba made a mistake uh, on the occasion of Uhud. They moved from the hilltop at a time when they're not supposed to move, and that resulted in a huge setback. Yeah. Physically, 70 Sahaba were martyred, but mentally and emotionally, the scars were deeper uh, because uh, they knew that they made the mistake. And then this now resulted in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's uncle's body being mutilated, etc. And as they were walking back, Allah reveals the verse, if you, can, um, if you can enhance your qualities as a believer, then you will prevail once again. So don't let grief overwhelm you and don't become too despondent. Learn from it, grow and, and move forward uh, stronger. So, you know, that, that, that was the purpose behind the talk, that uh, this was the year now when we needed to appreciate what we have and not obsess over what we don't have. Uh, somebody said it so beautifully that if you ended the year and you got a job, consider yourself lucky. Mm-hmm. If you ended the year and you got a job and you're still getting the same salary, consider yourself even luckier. If you've got good health, consider yourself very lucky. How many people have passed on? How many people have had people in their families passed on? We need to learn these lessons. We need to start prioritizing mm-hmm. the right thing. We need to work on our own spirituality. That's what this test is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, making you stronger as a servant of Allah, bringing you mm-hmm. closer to Allah, um, making you realize we need to develop emotional intelligence as a community, as individuals, so that we are able to manage our differences better. In the end, you know, the, the second wave is a second opportunity. It's, it came knocking on our door. We have to ask ourselves the question that um, has this year 2020, has this pandemic made me a better Muslim? If not, I've got a second chance to work at that mm-hmm. because it's a test. And if we react to the test or respond to the test in the right way, we can pass it. And if we respond in the wrong way, then, then you fail and it becomes more of a punishment than a test. Mm-hmm. So that is the, you know, the, the message yeah. that I wanted to communicate via that lecture, uh, which I delivered last week at the Nul Islam Masjid, and I was somewhat surprised at how it resonated with the immediate congregation and how thereafter it, it went viral. You know, people across the country, many surrounding countries, even far uh, countries like Australia and Canada, have picked up on the lesson uh, on, the, on the lecture. Somebody just WhatsApped me this morning from the UK, and it resonated. Different points in the lecture resonated with people in different parts of the world, and I can only make dua that Allah, you know, mm-hmm. accepts and grants us the sincerity and grants us all mm-hmm. the tawfiq and the ability of learning these lessons and moving forward strongly, inshallah. I mean, Maulana, Jazakallah khairan, shukran for joining us this afternoon. It's a pleasure, Shab Jazakumullah, for the opportunity. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.